0: Welcome back to another episode of the More Than Corporate podcast. I am super excited to bring to you today an amazing interview with Carrie Wooten, mindset entrepreneur, owner, and president. Carrie is a police officer turned serial entrepreneur. Although she no longer wears the badge, Carrie's heart is dedicated to her family, both blood and blue. Professionally, Carrie has been hired to train law enforcement, corporate executive, and education teams nationwide. Organizations utilize Kerry's work in mindset training, proactive mental health, organizational culture, and implementation strategies to further their personal development and professional success. Understanding firsthand the life and sacrifice of a first responder, Carrie is also a co-founder of Operation Phalanx, a nonprofit dedicated to fill in the missing pieces that the veteran and first responder communities truly need to live their most fulfilling lives. I absolutely loved this interview with Carrie. We dug into so many amazing topics related to where first responders and mindset overlap and how she bridges that gap. And I'm really looking forward to sharing that with you. Really quickly, before we jump into this, this episode is brought to you by Success Development Solutions and the Define Your Life Mastermind. If you or someone you know has ever said the words, I'll be happy when, I just need to keep, insert whatever you think is going to make you happy here. Losing weight, working hard, building my career, and then I'll be happy. If you've ever felt like you've done everything you're supposed to do, yet life isn't turning out the way you expected. If it seems like something is missing despite others telling you how successful you are, then the Define Your Life Mastermind is for you. The most powerful question anybody ever asked me is, what does success mean to you? And as I've explored this topic on my podcast and with my coaching clients, it's become clear that most people don't ask and answer this question enough. The Define Your Life Mastermind is designed to help you get clear on what success means, what a well-rounded life looks like, and what your best life feels like. Once you know that, you can build a business that fits into the life that you want and surround yourself with people who give you the courage to step out of your comfort zone to live this vision. If this sounds like something that you or someone you know needs in their life, head over to defineyourlife.morethancorporate.com for more information and to schedule a call to see if we're a good fit to work together. I'm super excited to connect with you and help you reach your goals. Gary, thank you so much for coming
1: on the show with me
0: today. I'm so
1: excited to have you here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Me too.
0: So we had this amazing conversation when we connected and I realized that you just had this super powerful story with where you're from and career side of things and what you're doing now. And I can't wait for you to share that with everyone. Um, Before we jump in though, I would love to go back a little bit. One of my favorite things to ask people is like, what did you think your life was going to look like? We all have this idea when we're like 17 or 18 years old, where we think we know Mm -hmm. everything about life and you're like, okay, I know exactly how my life's going to turn out. What was that image for you?
1: So uh, when I was 17, 18, first going into college, because like you said, I knew everything, right? I (laughs) know exactly. I was a real adult now because I had- right the apartment um (laughs) it was awesome so um, it was I'm gonna go straight through school I'm gonna go straight through you know all seven years get my doctorate in clinical psychology I'm gonna help people and then I like got halfway through my psych major I was like this is okay but I'm not doing (laughs) seven years of this and then I picked up criminal justice and kind of put them together and totally shifted and went law enforcement side.
0: (laughs) I love it. So, I mean, you kind of stayed in the same idea, I guess, like a lot of psychology and law Mm -hmm. enforcement. So what did you do with law enforcement?
1: I got to do a lot of things, which was really awesome (laughs) with the psychology piece. As soon as they knew that I had a degree in psychology, I mean, I was a recruit and they were like, perfect. You'll be crisis intervention already done. (laughs) That's exactly where you're going to go you know, it kind of fueled that passion. I happened to be good at it, which, you know, was a lot of fun. And then my precinct had the psych hospitals and we had seven military bases. So we did like a lot of PTSD intervention type stuff. So I did vehicle patrol, bike patrol, uniform, uh, community policing and narcotics, crisis intervention, training.
0: That's amazing. So what, how long were you in law enforcement for?
1: Just under seven years. So like a minute compared to a lot of people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What were your um, experiences with, because I know that this goes a lot into what you're doing now. What were Mm -hmm. your experiences with, um, you know, it's, it's a very male dominated profession. It's very Mm non-emotional. And we talk a lot about, you know, people going out into the corporate world and then putting on this face because that's what they need to do. And then it completely like wrecking them inside. What was your experiences in the psychological part of that with making it through that? Like, what were your ways that you made it through that?
1: Honestly, it wasn't hard for me. Some people appreciate that. Some people will kind of hate me for it. But, um, I mean, I have three brothers. I was raised military and then I married a Marine. So like my <laughs> la- me- yeah. So my life has been male dominated And I even had sons before I just had a daughter. So, you know, I've just always had very strong type A men in my life. So for me, it was comfortable, like being one of the guys. um, I didn't have to make myself fit in, which I think is the harder part for women who weren't were raised differently or just had sisters. Like they just, their only dynamic with men is like romantic. Mm -hmm where mine was everything else. (laughs) So that was actually really easy. But as a woman in law enforcement, I still had plenty of challenges. I had to, you know, prove myself more, you know, if I did something, it was, oh, it must be because someone thinks you're pretty, not because you're good at your job. You know, there was, there was a lot of that stuff. But I think that's kind of everywhere, not just law enforcement.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it absolutely is. So as far as the psychology part of things, and, and kind of the situations that you got put in what was your favorite part about your job
1: oh my gosh that's such a good question my favorite was that it was never the same day twice i think that's why a lot of people go into law enforcement i mean it is to help your community and you know that that feel good of i really made a difference today but it's never boring ever and, uh, you know, there's kind of this trick when you're working the street, if it's a quiet night, don't ever say it out loud. Yeah. Because they, like, so then things just start going off like crazy and your shift never, never ends. So you never say you're bored. You never say it's quiet, <laughs> but that's really like, it was always something different. You never knew what was next. I mean, pros and cons to that, right. With the, with the danger and risk piece involved, but, um, you know, you get to take these terrible situations, right. Because no one calls the cops when things are good. Right, Right. things are already bad when you're there. (laughs) So, you get to take these terrible situations, you get to take these people who are in crisis, high emotion, devastation. I mean, like all the most powerful things that we feel, um, which is challenging, but then you get to turn it around and you get to kind of find the light at the end of the tunnel for somebody else. And I don't think there's anything more rewarding than that.
0: That's so amazing. And I can totally hear your passion when you talk about that. (laughs) So you left law enforcement after seven Mm -hmm. years and where did you go next?
1: So I started my first business while I was still in law enforcement. At the time, my husband's now a retired Marine, but he was coming up on retirement and I was being recruited fed. So I was supposed to be going FBI and then we had businesses on the side so we could move for me. Kids happened, things changed, you know. FBI called me when I had like a five-week-old at home and said, (laughs) come train, and said, well, it's not happening. So because I already had one business kind of built on the side, when I decided to leave law enforcement after having my second kid, left knowing firsthand what the biggest issues were as far as the mental health challenges, as far as the toxic leadership and culture challenges. So because I knew that firsthand, I said, okay, I still want to help people. I still want to make a difference. But you know what? No one does it for our military and no one does it for our first responders. They're always taking care of everyone else. So I get to be that person that says, let me now help you. And then I started training military and law enforcement. So like, I'm still kind of in it. I just wear better clothes now.
0: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So I want to go back just a little bit to this like FBI conversation because I'm totally yeah. fascinated by this. So you're obviously waiting for this for a while. This is um, a yeah. step in your career. So you're five weeks pregnant or I'm sorry, you're fi- you've you got a five week old at home mm-hmm. and they call you. Is this like a, okay, we'll circle back to you opportunity or is it like a one oh, no. and you got to decide?
1: Oh yeah. This is a, this is your opportunity. You know, you're young. I, I intentionally made some decisions in my policing and made the right connections up to that point, because the plan was always local up to Fed. That was my plan from college days when I was doing my first applications. I mean, he he was already there. What was I gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not like I was gonna send him back. Um, <laughs> Wait, just you know? can we try this again in a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. And so, it, I mean, it worked out. Yeah. It worked out for the better. We had kids pretty much back-to-back. Um, we've been married seven years. I have three kids. <laughs> so now uh, um, we're finished. But so it worked out. So now, You're like, we are done. We're done, yeah. It was fantastic. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> but, you know, so now my husband's retired. My kids don't see a deployment. I'm home. Only my oldest remembers night shifts and holidays without me. The other two kids won't have that. So we've just grown. I've just shifted kind of perspective as life has changed.
0: Yeah. So I think that it's really cool to be able to have this conversation after you're through that kind of perspective shift in the Mm -hmm. moment though. I mean, I know you have this kid and you love this kid so much and you're so happy that they're here, but then there's also this career dream that you've had and you're having to choose. What was that like for you? Like, did you feel like you were having this? I've worked so hard for this identity crisis moment.
1: It was a little bit, yeah, but stuck behind a rock, you know, between a rock and a hard place, but I'm just so matter of fact and objective and uh, I'm a firm believer in the things that you can control, like control the hell out of them. Everything else, what can you do? (laughs) Yeah. You know, that was timing didn't work out um, obviously. And it was a, well, this is hard, but this is where we are this is what's going on and maybe it wasn't meant to be and that's just kind of the mindset I had to take with it and like I said in retrospect it was the right thing built something even better than what I imagined six years ago you know this isn't where what I thought I'd be doing this isn't where I thought I would be but it's so much better than what I imagined (laughs)
0: Yeah and I really want to focus on that for just a minute because I feel like so many entrepreneurs that are just starting or the individual that's in that corporate job that hasn't quite left yet but they're not it's not what they thought it was going to be and they see other mm-hmm. options like we lay out our our lives and we're just sure that's the way it's going to work out and when something comes it's so hard to think that what could come could be better and there's just no mm-hmm. way for us to know until we take that risk. And so I love this part of your story so much because there's so many people out there that are like, but I know what this looks like because I planned it and this is you know, right, what I want to do. Right. I don't know what this looks like or feels like, and it scares the hell out of me. So I'm just not going to do it. And they just get stuck in that, in that comfort spot.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, so- I've been living in the unknown for years now. Where I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but we're going to go do it and see if it works. If not, then I guess we'll try a different strategy. Yeah, I love that. I was
0: actually on a podcast a little while ago and someone said, um, I had never heard this before, but it's my new favorite thing. Um, Someone had said that the definition of an entrepreneur is somebody who jumps out of the plane and then builds the parachute on the way down. And I'm like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty much the way life works. And you just- Very accurate. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. So
0: I really connect with that part of your story because I have a very similar part where I had planned out my life as a criminal defense attorney, which is why I love these conversations because mm-hmm. total end of the spectrum yet, so many similar yep. experiences that I'd planned my life out as a criminal defense attorney and I wanted to be a public defender. And when I finally got the chance to go into the public defender's office, we were having a hiring freeze in Las Vegas and I couldn't get that spot. And so you do the other things that are temporary, waiting for that to open back up. Mm -hmm. and then they end up taking you in a place that you never could have imagined and a place that I wouldn't have necessarily gone on my own. And I kind of really relate to your story because there are a lot of people out there, whatever choice Wanted to make. Nobody's going to judge that. But you had this five week old baby and you're like, I'm not leaving. Like, it's not a choice for me. I'm not going anywhere. But you may not have made that same choice if you didn't have your child. And then you wouldn't have the life that you have now that's so fantastic.
1: Right. Yeah. If I didn't have him, I would have gone and we would have been moving. You know, we would have been living basically the military life, which, you know, worked out for me. I'm really good at it. But it's, Pretty nice where we ended up.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I love it. Um, So let's dig in a little bit to what you do with military and law enforcement because I think it's so powerful. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said nobody takes care of them. And Mm -hmm. then on the other side of that, you know, I kind of brought this up in the beginning of the podcast, but. Already men are normally raised to hide or shield their emotions um, Mm -hmm. from the time that they're kids, but then you get into a field where you're trained that your emotions can get you killed and you hide Mm -hmm. those even more. And eventually like you can't hide those forever. So they catch up with you. And this is what I love so much about what you do because you provide tools for the individuals to know that it's okay to process your emotions before they kind of corner you in a place that you can't control.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, uh, basically a lot of my training is we just talk about the elephant in the room, all the stuff that everyone knows is there and that everyone is going to have some sort of relationship crisis and trauma and mental health challenge. Like it's just kind of part of, it comes with the uniform basically. Um, obviously there are different degrees, um, but that's, you know, individual, right? You don't really know how trauma is going to affect you until it does. So as we do the training, it's, Hey, we're going to talk about what you're afraid of. And so I do, I have all these type A strong men. What are you afraid of? But you know, they open up pretty quickly because they all fear the same stuff. So then it's not really a big deal because your camaraderie has just shifted from this very strong, high ego, alpha type A personality, which I mean, I have all those things too. I'm the same way. And we just shift it into a different topic, but then it's, yeah, I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid of that. Okay, well now what do we do with it? And hey, trauma is going to happen to you. It's inevitable. So why are we discussing it 10 years from now instead of here's what you do today? So when trauma happens, when things are bad, when your marriage starts to fall apart because 50% of you are going to get divorced. Um, you know, when those things happen, how do you prepare and train before? So you do have the tools and strategies. So you do have the resiliency to move forward and to positively influence after all of that. So it's all personal focused. (laughs) That's amazing.
0: And do you find that, they open up to you because of your background, like more than they would open up to somebody else that was coming in?
1: Yeah, the number one thing that I get the most praise or rapport building um, credibility, I guess, is as soon as they find out I was on the job and I'm not someone who read about it in a book because, and and I have a psychology background, right? But basically there's no one that, law enforcement has a distaste for more than psychologists who tells them how they should feel. Yeah, (laughs) And I mean, I'll put it out there because I can do it without being in trouble. I've been in counseling, every cop I know has been in counseling, you know, all the military, I know everyone's done it. And we all kind of hate it the same, not saying it doesn't work, you know, for some people, but that's the first thing is they're like, thank God you actually are authentic and transparent. And I talk about like my depression and my PTSD, and what my husband and I did with all of his combat trauma. Um, he did nothing but combat tours in the Marine Corps. So I put all those stories out there and then show them how it worked. And that yeah. success story works. <laughs>
0: yeah it does. I was actually just having this conversation in another context with a friend of mine because when I went through bar passage, um, my mom tried really hard like to convince me that I was going to be okay when I was in those moments of just like i can 't do this i 'm going to fail like mm-hmm. it 's the worst four months that you go through like academically and mentally and I mean obviously we all have shit that happens in our life up to that point but it 's like four months of just like pure hell to take a three day exam mm-hmm. and the Closer I got to that, when she would tell me that it was going to be okay, um, we ended up having to stop talking because I was saying some really mean things to her and things that I didn't necessarily mean, but she had, there's no way she could know what I was going through. And when she would tell me it's going to be okay, my response is, How the hell do you know? Like, you cannot understand what I'm going through. (laughs) How can you tell me it's going to be okay? And so I can totally imagine that taking that to you know, the hundredth level of like putting your life on the line every day and the psychology that goes along with that, that it's impossible for anybody to truly know what they go through unless you've been through Mm -hmm. it. And it's really, really cool that you've created that space for them.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah. It's, um, wasn't an initial calling, but I think it's turned into one. (laughs)
0: Absolutely. So do you work on an individual basis with them? Do you work more in a like classroom setting, group setting? What does your um, programs look like?
1: So we do it all. Um, I do have a coaching stream. So I mean, that's, you know, one-on-one and that's obviously who reaches out to me. Sometimes it's new people. Sometimes it's previous students of mine. Um, But I've had a lot of different opportunities. Sometimes we'll get a workshop where it's, you know, a regional workshop, right? A handful from different agencies. Um, But I also get to do command and staff trainings and I've trained and I get to keynote at like the chief and sheriff conferences. So I get to go all the way to the top and I'm like, this is actually what your agency needs. Um, And we talk about recruiting and retention and culture. And I mean, a lot of different things, Um, but they're all connected. So I get to train at all these different formal leadership points. Which really slowly, but really starts to create impact, right? Because you close these communication gaps from the top all the way down to the newest um, officer and everywhere in between. So,
0: yeah, and I think that's another powerful thing that you just said is these communication gaps. Because you know we can talk about trauma and we can talk about all of the um, psychological. Um, And emotions that go along with being on the job. But then there's this whole other side of that. And that's this hierarchy of type A personalities that are trying to make an Mm -hmm. organization work and trying to help them understand like when, when everybody thinks they're right and nobody wants to talk to anybody else, but you have to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Right. And so being able to help them understand better leadership, better because leadership, communication, all these things can't happen without that vulnerability and that authenticity and transparency that comes Mm -hmm. along with emotions. And so I think that's really cool for the inside of the department as
1: well. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing that we talk about. I mean, law enforcement is terrible at vulnerability and transparency. Because one, and I don't mean this as a dig, but you have predominantly men. So men in general, right? They just don't do it as often. Um, then you have type A personalities, mostly. And <laughs> you add that in there. Then you have stigma and uh, boys club. You have all these different layers. And then you have the actual, we've been trained to be emotionally distant. Yeah. Because you don't get I mean, and, and I know I've seen it, even if, People don't have any attachment to law enforcement. You've seen social media videos of the cop breaking down and crying and it happens. I'm actually glad because that means at least they broke down at some point instead of holding it in for 10 years, but it is rare, but you're trained. Yeah. Hey, this is a terrible thing that's going on. You don't have the luxury of being emotional right now because you have a job to do. You know, I've been in countless situations like that where it should have been things that I wanted to curl up into a ball and sob, but not really productive for what I needed to get done. So you have all those different things. And then we have the discussion of, Hey guys, you need to be vulnerable. And they're like, wait a minute, hold on. (laughs) Which which door would you like to walk out of? (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, you need to be transparent. I'm like, this is how you communicate. This is actually, you know, how you lead. You need to talk about Taking ownership of your mistakes and being transparent with the guys who work for you. And you're doing this in a paramilitary structure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I, it's, can, it's fun. I can definitely <laughs> understand. Yeah, it's fun. It'll be fun, she said. Yeah, I enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, it's the challenge that comes along with it, right? Um and, right. and it's it's that fine line between, and I think all business owners and entrepreneurs could learn so much from this because it's that line between compartmentalizing when you need to, to be able to get a job done Mm -hmm. and then having an outlet to let that out when that job is over Mm -hmm. because so many business owners and entrepreneurs Fall into many of the same traps, just on a completely different level, of yeah. you know, separating your health, thinking that you don't have time to do things, um, taking every complaint that you get in your business personally. Being mm-hmm. you know, there's so much that goes on that business owners and entrepreneurs don't always process. Um, and when you're in the heat of you know, let's say a corporate board meeting or a negotiation for a new contract, that's not the time to break down and start crying about your feelings but you need to right. have a place to do it. And so I think that's what's so cool about your message is compartmentalize when you need to, and then uncompartmentalize. Like that's the most important part is like getting it all out of that box.
1: Exactly. I compartmentalize so you can get things done, right? It's not about being warm and fuzzy. Like we're all not going to go and hug everybody at work. Um, you know, pre-COVID, <laughs> um, you know, we're not we're not going to do those things. But there's no longer this focus on personal versus professional. It's so old school. And I actually had a conversation with some, I mean, they're friends of mine, but old school thinkers, where they're like, "No, there's no personal life allowed at work." I said, "I'm not talking about airing out your dirty laundry for everyone in the office to see." and you know bringing all your drama that's different but you shouldn't be two different people as far as personal and professional you know those personal we work on this in training too those personal beliefs and values and um you know fulfillment that has to be part of your professional development and your professional goals otherwise now you have inner conflict the whole time you're going to work Yeah, I 100% agree. And this is why I
0: absolutely despise the term work-life balance. Like everybody talks about work-life balance and there's so many things that are involved in work. And there's so many things that are involved mm-hmm. in life that you cannot possibly balance those things. And so I've shifted right. with my clients to the life wheel of being able to like have this well-rounded life because you can't mm-hmm. balance like six things on one scale and six things on the other and then figure out where right. the problem's at. It doesn't work that way. Um, but I do love your comment about you know being able to be the same person because so many people if you meet them outside of work, you don't even recognize them because they put right. on a completely different face.
1: And I don't, I've, I've noticed that too. And I don't know if it's, well, if I, if I'm myself and I'm not professional or I don't fit the mold of the organization. Well, here's a tip. And I talk about it with my leaders. So when We're talking about recruiting and onboarding and employee engagement, all of that. So that if they don't fit the mold, they probably weren't the right person to select for your organization because you're not going to shove them in successfully, mold this person that has, you know, a childhood, adulthood, educate all these things and make them fit into what you need. You're selecting the wrong people. And same as the person, if you don't fit, then you need to go to the other organization because it's just not, I mean, it's like being stuck in a bad relationship.
0: I was just going to say, this is like um, life lessons 101. If someone doesn't write your life, you're never going to mold them into it. Like Everybody exactly. starts these friendships and they're like, I don't like this about you. I don't like this about you. I can change that. It's okay. And then- 10 years down the road, you got divorce papers coming because you realized you can't change this, right? Um, right? So, I mean, friendships, business, all of this stuff, like if they don't fit in the mold, they don't fit in the mold. Like there's nothing you can do about exactly. it. And that's great. It, for it both is of what you. it is. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, I love that so much. And I had a um, I kind of run my law office the same way because I'm super, super chill. I don't like to dress up. I'm as far away from a girl as possibly get. Like, I think I have dresses somewhere in my closet. I just don't know where they're at. (laughs) Um, And so when I go to work, if I'm not going into court where, you know, there's this social expectation, um, I'm normally in Mm -hmm. jeans and a t-shirt and tennis shoes. And that's how I meet with my clients. And I have people ask me Mm -hmm. all the time, like, don't you think that they're going to want an attorney that dresses up? And I'm like, if they want an attorney that dresses up, I might fool them for the initial conversation, but my personality isn't going to match my clothes and it's not going to happen. So if that's what they're looking for, they can go find it somewhere else. And I'm not trying to be rude when I say that, but I know who I am and I know what Mm -hmm. I'm willing to do as far as my clients are concerned. And if they're looking for that personality type, I'm never going to be it.
1: Right. Well, and you can take it one step further with, you know, nonverbal and mirroring and, you know, building rapport and well, what you really want first is your client to open up to you. Right. Yes. I mean, I'm not an attorney, but I'm just guessing I've at least been in a courtroom, you know, several hundred times. Yeah. Um, if you want them to open up, then you don't want this here. I am in my suit. I'm going to stand, you sit there and tell me what's going on. Yeah. I mean, it's the same. I do the same, the same thing when I'm training, especially because I train oftentimes high rank, you know, I make sure I'm in flats. I even usually wear pants. Cause I'll like squat down to their table. So I'm not standing over people to yeah. talk to them. Yeah. So I mean, you make these adjustments and I even, if I'm doing law enforcement training versus, I don't know, like high profile entrepreneur training, like high profile entrepreneurs, they want to know if I cash flow. So I'll throw on like some good shoes, like a little extra bling, right? Like I will actually conform. My personality doesn't change because I like shiny things, but you know, I'll mirror what they see as success and then I'll adjust a little bit for this group. So we build rapport. So I meet what they see as success, but they're all parts of my personality, (laughs)
0: So as far as what's coming up down the pipeline for you, like what's coming up in the future that you're super excited for? Do you have anything that you're, you're creating or working on that's coming up?
1: So the newest development, um, brand new, I actually haven't said this publicly yet. Um, so there you go, brand new, is uh, I just brought in a couple of new partners. Um, well, not new people, but we have a new thing going. And we have just filed and launched a nonprofit for first responders and veterans. So it's called Operation Phalanx. Um, Phalanx, for a lot, you know, people who may not know, is like this old Spartan tactical shape where if anyone like breaks loose, the whole thing kind of falls apart. Um, so it's this like united, str- you know, strength basically from no one's stronger than the Spartans, let's just be real. Um, so we do everything from funding for training to support services, whether that be counseling, substance abuse, you know, whatever, things like that, Um, housing for disabled veterans, maybe even courtesy officer opportunities. Um, But my partners and founders of the nonprofit are one of my business partners who trains law enforcement with me. We do a whole string of programs together, and he's retired law enforcement. Um, And then my husband, who's retired Marine Corps. So the three of us came together with this, hey, all three of us have worn the uniform. We know exactly what you need, what is lacking right now. We're going to go get you exactly what you need for you, for your families, um, to make sure you guys have everything you need personally and professionally.
0: That's amazing. And is this limited to the Atlanta area or are you going to be serving people nationally? I
1: mean, it. Yeah, no, no, this is, this is everywhere. Cause actually I don't even have any law enforcement clients in Atlanta.
0: Oh, really? Um,
1: Yet. I'm, I'm in discussion with, with one agency right now, but um, you know, we don't have any ties to the area other than that we recently moved here. Um, So yeah, it's, it's all over the place and we'll be pulling, be pulling national grants and funds and events and things like that. So we have things coming in the pipeline. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited. Especially, I mean, it was really 2020 that pushed us to do it, like with the defunding of police and with more veteran issues and benefits being dropped. And we said, well, we will just find a way to fix it.
0: <laughs> so I want to shift gears just a little bit um, and talk about success for just a minute. For you, how do you define success? What does it mean to you?
1: It is ever-changing, so I don't have one definition, Um, but as a whole, it is personal fulfillment. You know, I think so many, and I may come across selfish, but so many people look to others to bring them happiness, and I think that's where they get stuck. You know, you can't depend, I'm not saying you can't depend on people for certain things, but no one else is responsible for your happiness and for your life than you. So it's like the ultimate ownership. Um, but whatever that means, right. Whether that is financial freedom, whether that is, you know, the best shape of your life, you know, a thriving family, right. Cause it's different for all of us. Um, but that personal fulfillment and all the pieces that go into it.
0: Yeah. I love that answer. Um, for fulfillment, do you, and, and this would totally make sense based upon your definition of success, but for you, is fulfillment a requirement for you to feel successful? Do you feel like they're related?
1: I th- yes, I think it's a requirement because, and I know you've met people like this too. You know, they have the, I don't know, the, the label of success, right? They're a high level professional and they have the house and the car and the kids and the, you know, all the magazine worthy things. Um, you know when magazines were a thing, so all the you know like all the Instagram, word, all the Instagram worthy. Yes. Things. Um, but then they're freaking miserable, and no one knows why. Yeah. And they're like, "What do you mean you're upset? I mean, you've you've got all the stuff." Well, they're missing, and whether they know what they're missing or not, but they haven't taken the time to self reflect enough to figure it out. Yeah. You know, maybe it wasn't the high paying job. Maybe their job sucks
0: yeah, no, 100%. You know, good
1: paycheck, but maybe it sucks.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. And um, not only do I know people like that, I was people like that, which is why this podcast exists because that was my life. Like practicing attorney, six figure job, working at one of the biggest criminal defense firms in Las Vegas, first person in my family to go to college. So every time I turn around and talk to my family, like I'm the freaking hero of the family, right? Right, right you're doing all this amazing stuff. And every time somebody says that to me, you die just a little bit inside because you can't understand why you just want to crawl in bed every night and cry. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's really the birth of this podcast because when I finally got up the nerve to go to therapy and I'm about six months in and I finally quit like having pan attack, panic attacks throughout the day, um, I open up to my therapist about feeling unsuccessful. And she says, well, what does success mean to you? And I'm like, I'm 34. And that's the first time anybody's af- asked me that question. Like, right. it is a shame that that is not addressed sooner in life. Um, and then I don't know whether people would listen. So I don't know whether that would actually be helpful, but that seed needs to be planted sooner in life of the mm-hmm. law degree, the professional degree, the cars, the money, the whatever it is, is not going to fix you. It's not going to fulfill you. It's not going to make you happy. Like those I'll be happy when moments don't
1: exist. Right. And I, and I think it changes too, right? As, as you change, as, as life changes, you know, what I thought I needed five years ago Well, now I've got it. So I need something else, you know, and it's, I'm constantly, I don't go into these swings of like fulfilled and depressed, Yeah. but that's because I have consistent habits every day that keep me out of that because I've done that, right? I've I've been depressed. I've been suicidal. I have my, you know, not so much anymore, but my PTSD stuff. Um, So I have to be proactive with it. But you don't need to wait for like, you to hit rock bottom before you start to figure it out. You know, yeah. Why would we waste all that time? Because now you've got to bring yourself up and that's so hard. Anyone who's been down, like, you don't even want to get back up. <laughs>
0: no, I, I hear you. And, and that's part of the reason, again, that I love what you do so much because- So many times it takes that rock bottom because that's what shakes somebody to realize there's a problem. Like we're so good at hiding Mm -hmm. with ourselves and convincing ourselves that everything's okay. And then it takes that moment that we just can't lie to ourselves anymore. And that's usually rock bottom. And so having these conversations and again, planting these seeds early to prevent that is so powerful. Mm -hmm. Have you read Mark Manson's, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a
1: Fuck? Um, I actually have not. I have it on my bookshelf, but I haven't read it yet. <laughs> so
0: you should read it. for
1: the best things about it.
0: Oh my God, it's so good. But my um favorite superhero of all time is in that book. and um he's called Disappointment Panda. and he goes from house to house and tells everybody what they want to hear or what they don't want to hear, but they need to. To make their life better, mm-hmm. and I'm like, like we all need a disappointment panda in our life, right? And so when I think about this conversation and the self reflection that it takes, like it's so painful sometimes to have those conversations with yourself, but then the other side of it is so amazing.
1: It's funny. I'm glad you just said that because now I know when I train, I'm the disappointment panda. You are. <laughs> I tell. I am now. I know. So now I can yeah. add that to my. You can list just for all be my disappointment students. panda. I I am, because I have to tell, I'm like, hey, I'm not here to be your cheerleader. I mean, go find one of those, but I'm your coach. I'm your trainer. I'm the one who's telling you what you need to hear and not the stuff that makes you feel good. Because that stuff, while nice, doesn't actually give you what you need. (laughs) Yeah,
0: 100%. And so many people think like, let me hire someone, and either one of two things: let me hire somebody, and they're going to tell me that I'm doing an amazing job. Which, if you were doing everything you needed to be doing, you wouldn't be looking for somebody to make your life. Better. Hire somebody, um, right? <laughs> or they say I'm going to hire somebody, and they're going to tell me exactly what I should do with my life to make it better, and then they're disappointed when mm-hmm. that doesn't happen because, I mean, you don't have the answers. The answers are individual for each person. And it's just that self-discovery and there's no um, easy way to get there. Like it's just a painful process, but it's right. so worth it.
1: Right. So worth it. It is, it is definitely a process. and that's what everyone needs to know is that you can't skip the process and it hurts. I wish it could. Sometimes it takes <laughs> long, like, <laughs> right? Sometimes <laughs> you're like, I'm never going to, it's like being stuck in the mud. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. Like, and then, I'm never like, going to get out of here.
0: <laughs> and, and it was great because, again, when I started going to therapy and I started to feel better, um, my therapist, I I was like, what kind of person are you to say this to someone? But she says, I'm so glad you feel better. I need you to know though, that it's going to get worse before it gets better. So like, just know that when you start crying, like just get ready because the deeper we dig, the worse you're going to feel for just a little bit. And then it's going to get amazing. And I'm like, you're not making this sound like a very amazing process. Like why would anybody yeah. do this willingly? Right. Um, but it's so, so powerful. So I absolutely, I know I've said it multiple times, but I absolutely love what you do. Where can people track you down for coaching, for um, more information about what you do or information about the new nonprofit?
1: Yeah. So my website is mindsetenterprise.net. So mindset enterprise is my company. Um, and then I am on all all the social media handles, but I'm real Carrie Wooten Instagram. Um, I'm on Twitter LinkedIn, Facebook, all the things, <laughs> Perfect. but um, LinkedIn, LinkedIn is my primary. Um, cause that's where my target audience is mostly. Yeah. So LinkedIn, um, on my website. And of course you can email me directly through my website. Perfect. So I talked to, I've won that way. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on. Before we wrap up, I'd love to do just a quick random round with you. Are you okay with that?
1: Oh, man. Now you got me nervous. Yeah, let's do it. Let's
0: do it. Um, It's not not painful, I promise. It's a lot easier than what you've been through. Um, If you could do any profession other than what you're currently doing now, what would you like to attempt?
1: Ooh, professional skydiver.
0: Ooh. That would be, I've fun. never been
1: skydiving. Me neither. I really, want. but to I'm go. just going to jump to being a pro. Yeah. <laughs> Me I mean,
0: there are no rules so. in this question. Um, right. What about time travel? If you could time travel, where would you go and why? Oh
1: my gosh. 2021
0: <laughs> <laughs> away from here. Right. Right. Anyway. Just
1: anywhere but here. <laughs> That's
0: amazing. Um, books. Do you like physical books? Are you an audiobook listener? What's your preference?
1: I do both. Um if it's something more scientific, something deeper, um neuroscience, something related, I need the hard book cuz I'm a doggy ear highlighting right in the margins kind of nerd. Yeah, I am. <laughs> um everything else is audiobook and podcast.
0: I love it. Um, and as far as a resource that you would recommend to listeners who are newer entrepreneurs or looking to level up their business, do you have a book that you've relied on in the past that you would recommend?
1: Number one, Miracle Morning. How yes. Hell are yes. And yes. you can't live without it.
0: Yes, I'm it. <laughs> so glad that you said that. um and then the last question, and I always tell every guest that this is purely selfish because I'm a music nerd, and I have to have new music to listen to. so what's your pump up song? What can you not have a bad day when you're listening to?
1: Oh my gosh, well, so I'm a mom of three kids, so I don't get cool music anymore <laughs> because I'm a hip hop head, so I can't listen to any of it in front of my kids um, <laughs> so right now is greatest showman soundtrack which is what we listen to every day <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know that's not so all. that's, that's my
1: life
0: um that's amazing <laughs> well carrie thank you so much for coming on the show i really really appreciate it um and i'm looking forward to seeing what happens with the nonprofit and with your amazing business in the future
1: thank you so much i really enjoyed it